0: All right, ma'am. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio. This is the intro for episode, 50, uh, let me see here, 66, sorry. Um, and Jason Lingren is with me. This is one of the more topical shows we've done because it tackles the idea of free speech. Um, over the past couple weeks, at least 10 of the people that I followed or were aware of uh, had their social media shut down. Uh, the reasons given are often community guidelines were violated, this, that, the other thing. We're going to get into this heavy in this episode, um, but here's here's the main thing to think about, I think, during during the course of, of what we're about to talk about. We've reached a point where the vast majority of all information that comes to us comes through corporations. Corporations, as I will point out in this episode, are basically like superhumans. They're, they're people, they're persons, according to the law but they're super people if you logically break it down. Um, the problem at hand now is what we did 30 years ago is a little different than what we're doing now in terms of how systems work, how things are legislated, when in fact the whole world has changed and the whole world has changed because of the internet. And if you consider that, I don't know, 80, 90% of all information is coming across online now, and those information systems are controlled by corporations, what it comes down to is we are quickly reaching a point where the arbiters of free speech and free expression will in fact be corporations. These corporations will do things like, say, you have to enter into this agreement if you want to use this system that everyone in the world is using. They will put up guidelines that you couldn't decipher if you were a scientist because they are simply so darn vague. Um, We're going to address these things. So I would ask, before we jump in here with Jason, what responsibility do we have as the content creators, as the people who go out and listen to and use the content being created? Is there any oneness on us? Is there any responsibility when we see social media shut somebody down? For my part, every single person that I saw shut down, in no way, shape, or form would I ever construe that they were harming anybody. Some of them had said ridiculous things. Big deal. People say ridiculous things all the time. Some of them have probably even said things that weren't correct. That happens every single day in every you know, place you can look. My point here is, is when I examined the people that were shut down, I could not construe possibly in any way, shape, or form that they were harming someone or some group in any way that mattered. And yet they were shut down. And the reasons given for the shutdown are so vague as to be undecipherable. Things like community guidelines were violated. Go look at community guidelines and you will see exactly what we're talking about here. But to get back to the point. Do we, as the people who use these services, have any responsibility when we see these things going on? And that is the main question, in my eyes, for this episode. Um, we're reaching quickly here a point when all free speech and all free expression is going to be under the aegises of big corporations. Now, for the average person, you should probably tune in and listen, because I suspect there are many people out there who don't know that much about free speech and think it's just a right that you're born with and you have, which on one level is true, but on another level is not. So let's jump in with Jason and tackle free speech in the modern era. Cheers. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio Podcast. This is episode 66. I have Jason Lindgren with me and we are going to make a run uh, at talking about free speech. The reason we're going to do this is because as so many of us are aware, uh, YouTube channels, other social media sites are dropping like flies. Being closed down for violations against this supposed regulation or that supposed regulation, which we will get into. I mean, in the case of YouTube, you can't even freaking tell what the rules are if you're an intelligent person and you try to understand it's that vague. But anyhow, welcome, Jason.
1: Hello, Crow. And this is going to be an interesting discussion.
0: It is. And, uh, you know, a big problem, big part of the problem with what we're about to dissect here is just the vagaries and all this. Even if you go at, Free speech itself, um, I think you will find that the average person has a much different idea uh, than what free speech actually was outlined uh, from the government's position. But we're going to get into that too. As a matter of fact, we're going to get into both sides of the coin here because corporations, as you may or may not know, are apparently, uh, you know, according to the research I just did. Putting more cases forward in the higher court system, uh, utilizing the free speech or the First Amendment protections of free speech for corporations than individuals are. And there are a lot of people out there who are saying that corporations are taking over the First Amendment.
1: Yep, I've seen that. And it's interesting that corporations are being given the same liberties or rights or whatever you want to call them as people because that means they are just as protected as any one individual. And that's dangerous, isn't it?
0: Yeah, well, I've come on the course of all the research I did around this, and let me let me preface this whole conversation. I would estimate about 50%, I don't follow too many sites on YouTube, but about 50% of the sites I did follow have been closed down. Um, there are other ones like the Jungle Surfer who are on the ropes right now. Um, you know, in some cases, you can kind of see how this came to be. I mean, there's a mix of people posting content out there. Uh, I don't disagree with anything I've seen them do, but I would add that we have reached a point now where depending on how you deliver your content, um, you're going to be a target. And if you use copyrighted materials, if you make phone calls to places and record that, these are the types of things that are going to draw the ire. But that's not really the main issue here. The main issue here is um, our social media as the new overwhelming purveyors of information going to duck under the corporate protections that they're trying to shield themselves with while with one hand they're shielding themselves with a corporation and while the other they're actually abridging freedom of expression and free speech i mean these are the main questions in my mind
1: yeah uh, and let's not forget that all of this goes back to the whole strawman corporate identity thing like that's They're putting everything and everyone under one umbrella. That's the way I see it.
0: Well, when you consider that corporations, uh, it was uh, Citizens United versus the FEC, FEC, I think, uh, in 2010, Where it was pretty much reiterated that corporations have the rights of people, um, that they – I think the case basically was saying that they could give unlimited amounts of money um, to a campaign. But in my mind, the further I dissected Citizens United versus the FEC, first of all, we've already demonstrated that your vote does bupkiss to elect a president. It does nothing. So the idea that money being poured in to try to get votes, it's, it's, a, it's a red herring. It's what it is. Um, the electoral college seats presidents. That's all there is to it. So this idea that somehow the democratic process has been skewed because these corporations can pour unlimited money, it's a red herring. In my view, what that whole case was about was putting corporations in a position to begin to dominate the First Amendment supposed protections of free speech. I don't know where you're at with that, but that's sure as hell what it looks like to me.
1: No, it really does look like that. And why don't you uh, like say that whole thing again, like exactly what it is, because this is the kind of thing like when people write to me or tell me about the shows, they look up the things that we're saying. So let's make sure they understand exactly what we're talking about here so that they can understand the the logical leaps that we're making here from point to point, you know,
0: so this was like we do episodes occasionally where we're in the research and the research that we find instantly has major issues because of other things we know to be true in the
1: was it, I think this was a Supreme Court case case. Jeez, I looked at so many. I've forgotten now. It was and it was around 2008 ish. It was over the Hillary Clinton campaign against Barack Obama.
0: I think they're marking it as 2010, actually. That's what I wrote down anyhow. But the case is Citizens United versus the FEC, which is the Federal Election Committee. Um, Anyhow, in past episodes, we have pointed out that there is no democracy in this country in the way you think there is. A lot of people have a problem with it, but I'm sorry. You learned this in high school. Go back and look. Um, Re-educate yourself. I'm not here to argue about this. It is what it is. Um, Your vote plays no role in seating presidents. Electoral college votes seat presidents. Um, I'm not going to get in that now. But you see, in the Citizens United case, the whole thing became, oh, my God, are corporations going to ruin democracy because now they're going to be allowed to give unlimited funds to campaigns and all this other nonsense. Well, when you come to understand that the voting majority out there play no role in seating a president, you understand that the The idea that corporations trying to sway votes one way or another means absolutely nothing. It's about the Electoral College.
1: Well, let's let's just be honest about who in the first place runs for president on any massive platform. And it's all insider people, insider people who have a bloodline attachment to the royal families in Europe. And that includes Donald Trump. So and that includes Barack
0: Obama. Yes.
1: Let's not fool around here. Let's let's put it that way. You know, like that's who these people are. If you or I who are. Uh, As far as I know, both of us meet the criteria to run for president of the United States. We're both over 35. We're both United States citizens, as far as I know. We wouldn't stand a chance, even if we also were billionaires, because I know I'm not related, and I'm guessing you're not either.
0: Well, I've pointed out before, we play no role in picking the people who will run either. It's not just that we don't have a democracy. The process is owned, lock, stock and barrel. And that does, you know, that sets aside the idea of things like gerrymandering. Anyone can look up what gerrymandering is. When gerrymandering is done in the way that they're allowed to do it, it actually allows for the outcome of an election to be predicted, in some cases, 10 years before it happens. But this is all a side point. The main point here is is that you can recognize that Citizens United versus the FEC is doing something else, because the idea that corporations are going to pour money into the voter base and skew an election one way or the other is complete nonsense. So what is it that this case is doing that everyone is pointing at? And a lot of the research I did, the idea here is is since Citizens United versus the FEC, it was then again reiterated that corporations have the rights of a human being or a person, which we already knew. But there are other studies being done that show that now the majority of free speech or First Amendment cases that go through the higher court systems are being taken over by corporations. So to be clear here, I suspect that Citizens United versus the FEC was absolutely designed to get in on the First Amendment thing and to begin to set the stage for what we see going on online because it's no mystery that the major purveyors of information in our world now are corporations. They're the Googles, they're the Facebooks, they're the YouTubes. But let me do a little logic here to, to kind of show the construct of what's being formed around us. If you ask the average person what free speech is, they'll say any number of things, but they'll probably sidestep the fact that if you actually go read the First Amendment, it's, it's pertaining to our government. And here's one, one of the ditties that you can read. Freedom of speech is the right to articulate one's opinions and ideas without fear of government retali- retaliation or censorship or societal sanction remember that second for a second the term freedom of expression is sometimes used synonymously but includes any act of seeking receiving and imparting information or ideas regardless of the medium used of course the internet is is captured under that now the main point there is that this is referring to the government it's basically saying the government can't you know diminish your free speeches or free expressions. But in this, it says you should also be free of societal sanction. If you look up the word sanction, you'll find out it's a noun, and it means a threatened penalty for disobeying, disobeying a law or rule, a range of sanctions aimed at deterring insider abuse. It could instantly be argued that YouTube removing advertising from some content or not serving content in other places is actually a sanction. Here's the rub. What most people defending YouTube are going to say is, well, they're a corporation, so let me run this logic by you. The First Amendment applies to governments abridging or legislating away free speech. And we know the United States is a corporation. So if you go down this this logical road that I'm taking you, how is it any different for the people legislating laws in this country, which are a corporation, doing what Google is doing now? They're both corporations. In other words, you can say government all day long. As long as you want, but the truth is the United States is a corporation. So when you begin to logically go down this road, what you find is there really is no difference between Google and the United States on the face of it. Google is responsible for probably many millions of people um, putting up content. The United States is – the corporation the United States that legislates our laws is responsible, again, for many millions of people in this country. When you begin to logically break down these things, what you're seeing is a an illusion being spun um, – I don't know, Jason, I don't want to get too far off track here, but did you follow all that?
1: I did, and there's something I'd like to bring up that kind of throws a monkey in that situation, and that's the little uh, mom-and-pop shop a couple years ago that, that caught hell for refusing to make a wedding cake for a gay couple because they were diehard Christians, and to them that was wrong. And they were pretty much being ordered by the government that you can't refuse that. And they tried to fight back and say, hey, this is part of our First Amendment. I don't believe this is right. This is my private company. I don't want to make the cake. And that's going to the Supreme Court in October.
0: Yeah, I don't, you know, I this almost seems like one of those stage things again. I, I mean, if that was to go to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court was to say, guess what, mom, pa, you got to make a cake. That means that every sign in every business in this country that says we, re- we reserve the right to refuse business to anyone, all those signs would have to come down, wouldn't they?
1: Well, I would think so. And this is why I brought it up, because this really brings a lot into question over the First Amendment, especially with religious rights, because that's what this one's about. And I figured I'd see what your take on it was, because this is going to the Supreme Court in October and it's going to be decided on like what the real position officially is going to be on this situation. And therefore, as we're going to go through the other court cases, how that affects the First Amendment for all of us.
0: Yeah, I don't buy into this at all. It's, it seems like stage nonsense to me. Um, no one in the world can compel me to do anything. If I want to make a cake for someone, no one can stop me. If I don't want to make a cake for someone, no one can make me. I don't give a damn what you know official body orders me to do so. Screw you. I'm a human being. I do what I want. This just reeks of kind of not fear porn, but in that same vein of where you're just poking the bear. You got the gay thing going on. You got the Christian thing going on. You got the rights of the poor business owner going on. You got the rights of the poor people who are not, you know, it just reeks to me of a complete setup to get people up in arms. And then who knows what the actual agenda would be. But I'm not buying into that for a second.
1: Well, the other thing I'd like to point out is that if they get ordered to have to honor everybody to, despite their viewpoints, then we could fire back at YouTube and say, hey, I don't care whether you like what I'm saying or not. You can't refuse me. It's my First Amendment.
0: Well, they see, there's a problem there, though. You see, YouTube is not stupid. Um, YouTube actually has like a contract that you agree when you sign up. But there's problems with all of this. I can logically rip holes in all of this. The first thing about a contract is you have to have a meeting of the minds. What's implied with a contract is that both parties understand what's in the contract when they agree to it. Has anyone taken the time to read the frickin' massive YouTube agreement contract when you sign up for YouTube? I would defy the brightest person in the room to understand all pieces of it. And if you don't understand all pieces of it, then the problem here is you don't have a meeting of the minds. But you see, it It even goes beyond that. If you go and read the user guidelines put out by YouTube, they are so vague as to be undecipherable. No intelligent human being could possibly understand what is permissible and what is not if you go read those vague, vague, vague user guidelines. It is these very guidelines that are regularly pointed at that, you know, bring sanctions against people, have their channels get strike, have their channels be removed. You know, we saw so many channels. There's something like 10 channels um, that I was aware of fell in the last two weeks. Uh, people like the Jungle Surfer are hanging on by a thread. And so this is what's going on here, and this is the real role, but I wanted to add this. We already knew the corporation has the rights of a person. And they also have the, the ability to abridge free speech, believe it or not, in the workplace, as an example. If you're working for a corporation, they can, in fact, legally abridge your free speech while you're on their clock, apparently. But after the Citizens United versus the FEC, FEC decision, I began to take a closer look at the idea of corporations having the rights of persons. And the further into it I got, this is what I walked away with. At this point in time, with corporations pretty much owning and operating the First Amendment uh, in the legal system in this country is a corporation is basically a super person. If you think logically about everything you know about corporations, you do the research like we have done for episodes like this, you will walk away understanding basically a corporation is like Superman. Um, They're better than you and I. We're people, right? But we don't have the money, the control, the power, or the wherewithal of any corporation of size. So when you begin to understand how the table is being stacked against us, I mean, come on, any of these arguments become legal arguments, legal loopholes, legalese. And that is in fact has no concern for people at all it's just basically cranking something into a machine spinning the arm and something comes out the other side regardless of who's getting crunched up in the middle and that's kind of where we're at here
1: it totally is and let's not uh, forget that youtube has pretty much a monopoly on this sort of platform because as have we as we have discussed on multiple episodes the extraordinary cost that you need to host videos for that are in hd and lengthy and all that is beyond what anybody could possibly do on any salary and they've got control over that so you're playing in their sandbox and they can change the rules as often as they like for whomever they like
0: And it's actually worse than that because to this day, I would love to serve my own private HD video, but the cost is prohibitive. I'm paying a media server just to do mono, single-channel audio files. I'm paying a fee for that. I couldn't even begin to afford to serve two or three HD videos that I throw so casually up on YouTube. And this begins to show the construct, too. We have these big corporations who are saying, come one, come all, who walk or crawl. Give us your video. It can be two hours long. It can be the highest definition video ever. We'll take it all as long as we can take all your data. And by the way, we're making a gazillion dollars in advertising because you have no way to know how much we are taking and how much we're paying you. We all know what's happened there. Uh, YouTube is paying the the content creators very damn little and we don't know the value of the ads in the first place we have to take you know basically the chickens or the foxes guarding the hen house we have to take their word for it but the point here is is the way this is set up if private people want to go out on their own and serve their own video guess what you better have deep pockets or it's not going to happen. And even if you did have deep pockets to come up with three, 400 videos like you have on YouTube over time, it would be, you know, preventative for even people um, who who have that much monetary ability. But let's dig in a little further here. Um, when we think about the modern age, what we understand is that the majority of information now comes across line. So what's being done here? As corporations are being treated as they always have been, and yet they have the the death grip on the information. So there's already a disconnect in the logic. We saw the same thing when the internet was young. When the internet was young, everyone was like the wild, wild west. People did whatever the hell they want, and it was – perceived as if the powers that be were not technical enough to catch up and to begin to understand what the Internet even was. And then supposedly when they did, they began to overreach and piss everyone off. But it's a similar kind of thing here. We're being told on the one hand that these corporations have – the rights of a person, all these things that have gone through the court cases, they'll reference Citizens United, they'll reference all these other corporate court cases, and they'll completely ignore the fact that these very corporations that are now protected by all these different reasons that we're outlining are controlling something like 80 or 90 percent of all information systems. And it's its a disconnect, man. It makes no logical rhyme or reason for things to continue this way because – Basically, what it comes down to is they're acting like corporations are the same as they used to be 30 years ago when, in fact, they're not. I mean, where are you at, Jason?
1: Well, I'm going to reference back to the big six for this part of the conversation. You know, to say that any one corporation is just as equal as any one individual walking the street today – Is just not true. I mean, Google, Google is, is, you know, like you said, he's like Superman. It's, it's a monstrosity that can do whatever damn well pleases. If you want to play in their sandbox, go ahead. But you just never know when when it's going to strike out to, to knock you back down, you know?
0: Well, you know, if you consider the amount of time a human being puts into building a channel over a number of years, they may have hundreds of videos up. In the meantime, they've been running ads, so there's money involved. And yet this ridiculous contract that I, you know, I beg anyone to read that entire contract and, and state outright that they understand it all Um that we agree into and when you put all these things together and then it comes down to basically these vague ridiculous guidelines that couldn't possibly be defined because they're so vague and you can lose all that overnight it's a really one-sided game and this begins to beg against the spirit you know the idea of the spirit of laws see the spirit of laws there there are arguments out there that i just read for this episode get this There are plenty of arguments out there that will say with regard to American law and free speech, it assumes the only function of the law is to protect people against physical harm. And it tolerates unlimited emotional harm. Now, the problem with this, you know, you read that, that say it's all well and good. But then 10 minutes later, you look up the other side of the argument that's being pushed. So basically what it comes down to here is you're living in a condition where the only way anything ever gets decided is to go up through the courts, which most people can't afford to do in the first place. How many people do you know that could take Google to the Supreme Court? I don't think I know any actually. Um, And then that is the only way any of this gets worked out. In other words, we have this vague law where both sides are reading legalese, which the average person can't understand. It gets argued in both directions, and then it goes to a court system the vast majority of us can't understand. And in the meantime, on the other side of that, if you were to take a Google to court, you're fighting a super person. Because that's basically what a corporation is. It's a super person.
1: Well, I think anybody knows that the the person with the better lawyers and higher quantity of lawyers is usually the winner. And, you know, any one person is really not going to be able to win that battle. Now, I did look up some stuff on YouTube. And let me get this uh, this out here for us. Of course, it, it, YouTube, we know as we know, is a private corporation. So when you sign up for them, you're agreeing to their terms of service, as we have already discussed. So... They state on their website that they want to encourage free speech and try to defend your right to express unpopular points of view, but do not permit hate speech. Now, according to YouTube, hate speech refers to content that promotes violence or hatred against individuals or groups based on certain attributes such as race or ethnic origin, religion, disability, gender, age, veteran status, or sexual orientation, gender identity. They also say that there is a fine line between what is and what is not considered to be hate speech. So for instance, it's generally okay to criticize a nation state, but not okay to be, uh, to post malicious, hateful comments about a group of people solely based on their ethnicity. Now their loopholes right here where they say there's a fine line because that means they're the ones who are going to judge which side of that line you're on.
0: Well, it's not only that they're the ones, but you have no idea who's doing it. What are the, you know, what are the credentials of the people doing it? And as you pointed out, the guidelines don't mean dick. Um, But you see, if we look over at Europe, we can already see the direction this begins to go in. I started to follow the free speech idea through Germany, where apparently they're either legislating or have legislated in parts of Europe, actual jail times and fines for people who deny the Holocaust. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine sitting in a room where a group of people are going to pass legislation to jail or find someone who denies the Holocaust? On the face of it, what does this tell you about the damn Holocaust? To me, it means the damn Holocaust needs challenging all day long, anytime you see this kind of legislation happen. But what's even worse about it is this is— going beyond what is free speech this is going at the very root of what an individual is thinking and this is already going on in europe apparently if if the research i did has any feet i don't live in europe um i'm guessing some people who are listening to this uh, podcast will live in europe maybe they'll comment but if there is any substantial truth to those
1: ideas i mean look where this heads well yeah and they also have uh, anti-nazi laws in germany Now, not to say that anything the Nazis are said to have done is a good thing, but you can't have those kinds of open views and use those symbols in Germany without getting in big, 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 big trouble.
0: Yeah. You know, it, it's it's no different than the nine eleven thing to me. You know, this big thing is either staged or this big thing ever happens. And then all this ridiculous, you know, this this leveraging is done off an event whenever you see that. And I don't give a damn if it's about Nazis, about Holocaust, about terrorists. Whenever you see this type of leveraging off an event, you should understand instantly what you are looking at. You are looking at wholesale manipulation of massive massive groups of people who are being basically brought to heel one way or another that's my point of view
1: well it's always the whole we 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 think you protest too much kind of thing like what when someone does that much to that kind of extreme you got to wonder what they're hiding or what their ulterior motive is
0: well, what's kind of funny about it is even if you were to take the Nazi thing, so if someone says I'm a Nazi or displays a swastika and you got to come arrest them or whatever it is you do to sanction them, to stop them from doing it, basically what you're saying is is there's such a danger that this will catch on like wire fi- wildfire. we got to nip this in the bud. And on the face of it, it's ridiculous. It's the same thing as hate speech. If you went onto YouTube and you found, I don't know, umpteen channels – picking out this religious group or that race or whatever to talk smack about them, I would be willing to bet that the vast majority of the rest of the world would not be behind that. So why are we making rules and trying to legislate and leverage and force people this way or that based on the actions of basically what is very damn few people in the overall population that you're looking at? Um, that's what I would ask.
1: Well, let's talk about what hate speech even qualifies as, when you break it down, it's going to come down to the uh, point of view of the individual. For instance, a fundamentalist Christian thinks that anything pro-gay is going to be hate speech because they think that they're doing wrong in the eyes of God, or Muslim folks freaking out over a cartoon of their prophet, you know, when, when to anyone else, it's just not a big deal. So it really comes down to the eye of the beholder on what is and isn't hate speech.
0: See, you make a good point here. Uh, there, there is no legitimate way to legislate in this way. Otherwise, you would have a group of laws for every group of people in every group, you know, part of the world. There's there's really no reasonable way to go at this. Now, if we wind the clock back to say when I was young in the 70s, everything we're talking about here is nonsense, You know, people got along back then. They did what they did. And while the world had its share of problems, what we see going on now was so far from the average everyday existence. And what is the main difference? The main difference is the Internet. The main difference is the information systems. And part of the problem here is in the same way we see events like 9-11 staged, Sandy Hook staged to be able to leverage off. We're starting to see the Internet in cases like Citizens United versus the FEC. In my view, these events put up so that other things can be leveraged off them. And I think in one of our recent shows, you had mentioned, you know, what if any – Undercover agent online, or you know, some undercover troll started to post all these things that were truly dangerous in some way. And then what happens on the tail of that? Again, we see the leveraging. But the main problem here, what people overlook, is that what we are seeing is a very small. Even if everything was true about an event or about something that goes down online, you're seeing a very small segment of the world population. So what you're seeing is leveraging and legislation and all this other stuff going on based on what maybe 10 people in a room of 100 billion did. And that's an exaggeration. But I I think you see where I'm going with it.
1: Yeah, well, as far as anything that gets said on your YouTube channel, they can just blame you as, you know, inciting trouble and then use that as an excuse to shut you down.
0: Well, the the truth is, though, is they don't need an excuse. What we see is we see channels removed, um, and basically there's a little banner usually at the top that said, we're sorry, this person violated community standards or some nonsense. And again, it's impossible to understand the community standards. What you're seeing is the scale of justice being placed before you, and it has already got 100 pounds on one side, except the side you're sitting on has no weight at all. It's just, it's a completely one-sided game, and it's being queued up more in this direction every month that goes by and the outcome of this is a true full frontal attack on freedom of expression and freedom of speech Um, when we see things like ads being pulled well this violates the very spirit of the idea of free speech but of course YouTube will say we're not the government and you entered in a contract but you see screw all that screw all that Every person listening to this that grew up in America is thinking to themselves, I have the right to say, think and do what I want. So for a corporation that last time I checked is based in the United States to come along and try to shield themselves as a corporation with a contract, trying to differentiate themselves from the government. That's actually a corporation and no different. None of it holds water. It's all illusory fences being built with an end goal in mind.
1: Yeah, well, that's exactly what it is. Now, I, I found an article, I found several articles, in fact, that was discussing the the very uh, YouTube ad pulling thing. And the claim is that several very large mainstream companies weren't liking the fact that their ads are being attached to what they were calling extremist videos. Now, of course, I couldn't find what was being described as extremist videos. So if someone's saying something like, 9-11 is an inside job, I'm, and this is videos that would be going back over 10 years now. If, is that considered extremist videos because you challenge the mainstream notion that admittedly has holes in it, and then these companies are squawking because they don't want to be attached to this kind of thing? How is that extremist then? That's, they're, they're just going to pull, pull this excuse every time that, well, we're not making money because all these companies uh, are pulling their tens of millions of ad revenue. So that's their excuse right there.
0: Yeah, they're, they're just weaving a dream state. It's all nonsense to me. Um, we can logically show why this is all fallacy, that advertisers are suddenly up in arms. First of all, with technology like Google possesses, you could easily – as an advertiser, say, I don't want to be on controversial sites and simply not have your ads served there. That would be the simplest of things. And you're talking to a guy who came out of college and my first job was early internet advertising. So I know exactly what I'm talking about here. It would not be that hard in the same way. When you set up a, a, a an advertiser account, you can opt into certain ads or say, you don't want, other types of ad being on your channel. It's a very easy thing to accomplish, but that's not even really the main argument. If we look at TV, um, and I used this example before, uh, in the season opener of Rick and Morty, You can actually see Rick in the background saying um, 9-11 was an inside job and it was made to take your freedoms. And guess what? Ads ran before the break and after the break. So those advertisers had no problem with Rick and Morty telling the world that 9-11 was an inside job and it was designed to take your freedoms. Take Samurai Jack, one of the biggest kids shows in the 90s. Well, it recently came back with a final season. Guess what? Samurai Jack only used to kill robots because kids were watching. Well, this time around, he slits young girls' throats, kills them outright, blood, everything. And guess what? Ads before the break, ads after the break. Samurai Jack is slitting the throats of little girls, and the advertisers are good with it. So on the face of the arguments we see being made, they do not hold water logically. It's all a ruse. It's all a charade. It's all basically a blitzkrieg to march down the road towards curbing freedoms of speech and freedoms of expression.
1: It is, and I'll even up you one more. On The Cleveland Show, which is a, was a major Fox program after Family Guy, Cleveland Brown, at the end of one episode, goes, 9-11 was an inside job, y'all. Right. And, right. I saw that. And I was like, like, when I first saw that, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, that just came out of nowhere. And they did that on mainstream television. So I don't want to hear anything about extremist behaviors at this point, you know?
0: Right. And in some ways, that's the programming that we've talked so much about, too, where they actually, in a comedy situation, put it out there as if it's a joke. But anyone who goes back and watches that and uses their adult brain will understand instantly what's going on there. I really don't think there's any arguing that.
1: Right. But to attribute it to what we're talking about now, I don't think any advertisers got pulled from the Cleveland show because, I mean, that that's an attachment to Family Guy, which is one of the biggest shows on television. So I'm pretty sure money was made there.
0: Right. Of course it was. Um, and, you know, don't get me started on the Cleveland show. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the way the way that the African-American or African race is treated there is abhorrent. Um, and anyone who worked on that show should be ashamed of themselves. I mean, for Christ's sake, they have Cleveland living in stool bend for crying out loud. Um, It's one kind of tasteless joke against a race after another. And the kind of portrayal of them being less and stupid, there's so many things wrong with it. But like you say, the advertisers could give a damn as long as they're making money. And I mean, if we pull this back to YouTube, um, it's a bit ridiculous to think that they are willing to pull advertising when basically the whole the whole paradigm of advertising is meant to do one thing. It's meant to get a person to act in a way they would, not other ha- they would not have acted had they not seen the ad. In other words, it's designed to brainwash you in a way and change your behavior so that you consume or spend money. Um, and any one of these advertisers could easily state to YouTube, I only want to advertise on completely above board legitimate Christian channels or anything. They could say anything. And it would be the simplest thing in the world for YouTube to follow that out. And this is just not what we see. And again, it's a complete charade. Sorry, but I'm kind of echoing the same thing over.
1: Well, I, I, I think it's kind of obvious that it could easily be filtered because they have filters. That's how you do searches, not to mention the fact that people put hashtags about what their videos are about so that when someone searches for the particular topic, they come up. Well, that seems pretty cut and dry to me, but you're the guy who went to school for internet. So you tell me if if what I'm saying is as cut and dry as it seems to be.
0: When you sign up to get your advertising done, you get a, what's it called? Add something, you know, you got to sign up. AdSense. Yeah, you sign up with AdSense. Uh, during the process of that, you have the you can opt in to. Um ads that you don't think you'd like running on your channel. It proves that it's a doable thing. And that sets aside everything I know from having worked in a place that created the very first video ads for the internet and the very first banner ads for the internet. I know exactly how this works. It's not a hard thing to do. Um, On the face of it, if people understood how simple it is to opt in or opt out of things like this, they would understand the ruse that is going on on YouTube right now.
1: Well, they must have gotten it down to a science because any article I try and read these days, there's like five freaking separate ads on there, sometimes one of which is a video running. At the same time as you're trying to read an article, so, you know, they don't seem to be too worried about it. They're just going to bombard the crap out of you and make their money.
0: Well, I mean, for crying out loud, you can go all over the Internet and find all kinds of things that, you know, people would probably say kids shouldn't be viewing. Take porn as an example. Is there any major porn purveyor online that is not running advertisements? I mean, is there? I would suggest to you that if they're a major purveyor of anything, they're running advertisements. And again, it begins to show the kind of illusory, illusory nature of what's going on here. But what really kills me about this is that, like in the case of the ads, it's almost like they're dipping their toe in the water to see how it goes. I mean, so many people can remember the YouTube hero thing. Um, I remember when they announced YouTube heroes, a lot of people were up in arms. And it seems to have died on the vine. But the more that I looked at that idea thinking really did youtube heroes die the more i begin to think that they just launched it anyhow undercover and it's basically bots carrying out the very same kinds of ideas but this really gets away from the whole point in my view these corporations have to be held to account these corporations are responsible for the majority of information sharing that goes on in this world at this point so how is it that they can be treated as if they're just a corporation or just another purveyor of coffee mugs because they're not just purveyors of coffee mugs they're in fact the sole controllers over many millions of people expressing their ideas and communicating and You know, I've said this a lot of times as we move into the digital age, people are either going to stand up and demand better or the digital age is going to provide the ultimate pair of shackles where when you do a search, you're not even aware of all the things you didn't see. Take this as an idea. I have heard that once your videos on YouTube get flagged, um, that they're not served in a lot of people. Places And I don't know if this is true because I don't live in a lot of places. I live in one place. Um, but if it is true, then it feeds into this idea like take this kind of off the top of my head thing. Suppose you had a channel and you were a realtor and the algorithms at YouTube – Let them know that this Realtors channel really never goes to the conspiracy websites, never visited a 9-11 clip, never visited a Sandy Hook clip. And one day he decides, hey, man, something's not right here. I'm going to go look. But the content that would let him go down the road is not served to that person, whereas there's another channel out there who always goes to the conspiracy conspiracy websites he's allowed to see whatever he wants all day because it's basically singing to the choir you can kind of see the picture i'm illustrating here right
1: oh absolutely now of course the the internet becoming what it has and goodness only knows what it's going to become in the the years to come it's a double-edged sword very much and it can it's been helping massively with this whole awakening process that's been going on but at the same time they're also using it as an excuse to clamp down on us now as far as getting back to the advertisers thing Advertising money comes from people viewing the ads, right? Plain and simple. The fact that they would want to chop out how many channels, goodness knows, that have millions and millions of views, say like Crow777, is just ridiculous to me, you know?
0: Well, I I would argue that I don't have millions. And as a matter of fact, I'll look right now. I'll bring up my channel. I'll tell you supposedly how many views my channel has, according to YouTube. According to YouTube, I have 10.5 million views, and I've been running since 2013. Um, I I really suspect that we could probably multiply that number much higher, but... I see what you're saying, but it's it, and, and I think there's something I think there's the there there to what you're saying, because consider these kind of banal channels where a, a per individual video gets a million hits. And that to me begins to kind of tell the tale that maybe they are willing to cut off their finger to spite their hand, you know. Um, I got 10 million point five over the entire life of years of my channel. And here's this other channel running ads that gets a million hits on every video. It's a hard thing to know. But the point is, is why in the hell should YouTube be allowed to be the arbiter of what information merits what? You know, that's my main thing here. Who made them chief god-bufu over information and people expressing themselves? And I know a lot of people out there would make the the corporate argument and the contract you enter into argument, but I could rip that apart from a common sense point of view all day long. And I could also state (laughs) YouTube is no different than your government. Your government is also a corporation, so
1: there's that. Well, most people don't know that to begin with, so... They've got the advantage over the majority of the people on on the earth, because most people don't even know the simple fact that at least as far as being in a Western culture, you're a corporate identity, just like their corporate identity. And guess what? Corporations also have the same rights as people. So if you don't know that to begin with, they've got the winning edge there on on whatever they want to do, because they are just going to do whatever they want to do and go ahead and fight them because they've got tens of zillions of dollars to spank you down if you so much as burp out of place.
0: Yeah, um, like like we said earlier, corporations at this point are basically super people. Whenever you see a big corporation, you might as well imagine the Superman logo on their chest because that's basically what they are. Um, you know, as we get down the road here, uh, it's gonna be interesting to see as more channels are closed down because, like I said, I mean, there have been a slew over the last two weeks. I'm getting an e- nearly an email a day telling me this place or that place has been shut down. And I always wonder, If a channel gets shut down that have says, you know, four or five thousand subscribers, what do those subscribers do on the tail of that channel being removed? Do they do anything? Do they just go find a new channel to subscribe to? And this is fascinating to me because what I do is I come and I make a show like this to talk about it, to vent what I see as a complete violation of common sense of the rights of people. That's what I see. That's my point of view. But when these channels, and some of the ones that have went down, there's been a couple that I know had at least 10,000 subscribers. Are any of these people taking any kind of action to voice their point of view, to exercise their free speech and their free expression, that they didn't appreciate that, that they don't think that is right? And I'm just throwing it out there, man, because I think for the most part, it's probably not going on at
1: all. Well, let's just say even one of your own videos you put it up a couple days later. It's got 10,000 views. What are they going to give you if, if ads did run a, a nickel? And think about like what th- those 10,000 <laughs> views are worth to these advertisers. You know what I mean? So like that's the kind of perspective we can look at at first as far as like what do they get versus what do they not get?
0: Right. But the, the the real problem here is, and I used to be involved in this in the early internet ads when they were trying to figure out what the value would be. Places like AT&T were putting their first ads online and it was unclear what the value of these ads and pretty soon it became about impressions and views and all these other things, clicks. But my point is this. See, YouTube is stacking the deck in every direction. When you enter into that contract – Basically, you will never know for sure what an ad is worth. So right there out of the gate, that's a problem. You may be under the impression that a click is worth a penny when in fact a click is worth a nickel. You don't know. You're taking their word for it. But what's even worse is you have absolutely no way to know how many impressions were actually seen, how many clicks were actually made, this type of thing. So you're seeing a completely one-sided thing in the first place. Um, And I'll I'll just point that out so people understand that this whole idea of using social media is such an off-balance, one-sided thing that it reeks and screams that it violates the spirit of the idea of freedom, freedom of speech, or any of the other things people growing up in the United States thought they may have had. It is the exact polar opposite of all those things that we held so dear growing up through the 70s, 80s, 60s kind of eras. But there it is.
1: I'm, I'm almost thinking that what you're saying is Google Analytics on your YouTube account may not actually be telling you the truth. Well, of course it's not.
0: There have been, you could go on any number of YouTube channels to see in one shape or form or any number of ways how people have demonstrated that the hit count is being manipulated. If in fact the hit count is being manipulated, then that is a direct reflection of the supposed ad revenue. And not only that, not too many years ago, there were a bunch of people without massive channels making okay money on YouTube, actually carving out a living, Filming through telescopes, doing these other things. By the time I came online, it had already changed. But I met people who were doing okay. The rules changed, and then it got a little less. Then the rules changed, and it got a little less. Well, what it's down to now is, you know, what do I have? I've got like seventy thousand subs, and you know, an average video of mine gets, I don't know, fifteen. If I'm lucky, twenty thousand hits uh, most times, and that's over time. Um, they make next to nothing in terms of ad revenue. They really do make next to nothing. But the real- question here is what are they actually making and so if in fact you go out on youtube and you look at these clips people have made demonstrating that the hit count and other things have been manipulated by youtube then what you're actually looking at is theft if there is any truth to it
1: no and i think that's exactly what they're doing why would they not skew it in their favor like just like i said those those articles i I found they were talking about ad revenue in the tens of millions of dollars just from those companies well what about all the companies that weren't pulling or threatening to pull how, how many tens of millions are we talking then hundreds of millions and they give you a nickel for a billion views you know what i mean
0: For about three years now, I have had endless emails and it goes in spurts. Sometimes it's kind of steady with endless people contacting me to say that they have been unsubscribed to my channel and did not want to be quite often. They resub and then contact me again, saying I resubbed yesterday and I was unsubbed again. And we go through this whole thing about how you can, you know, opt for an email and try to do all these other things. My point is this, this is one of the most basic functions of a website is to, you know, do this kind of thing. So the idea that somehow, accidentally, many hundreds, and I'm not even kidding, if I was to dig up all the emails, it would be many hundreds of contacts saying that I have been unsubscribed from your channel. But in a recent episode, we covered that according to YouTube, I have lost nearly 30,000 subscribers over the life of my YouTube channel. And I mean, come on, man, that that begs credulity, does it not?
1: Oh Yeah. I mean, when you're and this is the thing, you're not the only person I've heard say these kinds of things. Anybody who's actually touching a nerve on something that I guess the word controversial is a good word to use. I'm, I don't know. But anybody who's really pushing the envelope seems to be under this sort of attack that that their numbers are being skewed. Their, their subscribers are being taken away. And then if you really push the to push it too much, you literally just get your channel deleted with next to no reason given.
0: Right. And I I would say that we're reaching the point where the oneness is going to be on the users. If the users of YouTube just roll over every time a channel is closed that they think had some merit and they do nothing about it, um, it's a bit like, you know, anyone who, what's the old saying? Anyone who gives up their freedoms for security deserves neither. It's that kind of an idea. If you are a user of YouTube and you watch a channel you followed for a year or, you know, some period of time, and you thought there was value there and it gets closed and you do not do something to speak up, to let it be known that you think it is wrong, that you do not agree with it, that you think there is a right being violated here. Well, I'll tell you what, we go down the slippery slope and we already see the slippery slope. As a matter of fact, the very reason Jason and I decided to do this free speech episode is because over the past two weeks, it has been like a landslide of channels being closed. And for the most part, no reason is given other than, you know, community guidelines or this vague nonsense that couldn't be defined if you wanted it to. But... I mean, where are you at, Jason? Do people have a responsibility to speak up in some way, shape, or form, to send emails? I mean, what is the responsibility of the users uh, with regard to being behind freedom of expression and freedom of speech?
1: Well, hey, man, if if you're into this kind of thing and, and you're coming here and this is what you're looking for, you know, I'd like to think you you kind of have some responsibility to scream from the rooftops if – you're being, you're having your information source taken away for absolutely no reason. Now, the only person I know who had this happen to and actually got everything reinstated okay was uh, the New Zealand fellow, Vinnie Eastwood. They did it to him on his main channel, and I forget how many stupid amounts of videos and views he had, like millions, millions and millions and millions, because he's been doing this a long time. And um, he was really upset about it, and people did actually defend him and eventually a few days later got it back but he's about the only one i've ever heard that happening with so you know i don't know how much youtube will listen but maybe they didn't want to draw too much attention to something like that well i would suspect
0: that the users of youtube have a lot more power than they think and while youtube is doing whatever it is they're doing to enforce their vague vague rules If enough people step up when some nonsense happens, I would submit that there's a good chance that reversals could happen, realignments of what YouTube actually carries out might happen, any number of things. Because no matter how you slice this, the spirit of even pulling ads from someone's work is basically saying this content is okay, but that content isn't. So all the people out there who want to chirp up about corporations and chirp up about the agreement contract and chirp up about screw all that. Look at it at face value. Should YouTube have the right to take someone's freedom of expression and say this expression is different of that so I'm going to sanction this one. And one of the main problems here is in the online community the idea of ads is not loved, but it's mostly not loved by people who don't pr- you know, who produce no content. You see, they go and they look at all these things and they take no time to think about how much time it takes to produce content. Let me tell you something. When I was posting telescope footage all the time, it took the majority of my life because the truth is you are not going to get interesting things unless you put in endless hours. And once you put in endless hours, you've got to edit it. You've got to put it together. You've got to upload it. You've got to do all these things. And it is a hell of a lot of work, even doing a show like this. I mean, basically, we take a week to prepare in the course of our lives and all the other things that we do. Each day, I have to do research. Each day, I have to get prepped. Then when Wednesday comes around, I know you and I are gonna be recording. When Thursday comes around, I know I'm gonna be editing. It takes a crap load of time. In my case, I could see the writing on the wall a long time ago that freedom of speech was slowly uh, starting to fall down the slippery slope, which is why I launched Crow Triple Seven Radio, because I own that outright. That's a private site. But, I mean, come on, man. Let's get back to it here. Do the users of YouTube have a responsibility to kind of voice what community guidelines should be? After all, they are the community And I would suggest that if you see channels shut down, that you think there's no way in hell should have been shut down, do you have a responsibility to voice your opinion, to stand up in some way, shape, or form? What do you think, Jason?
1: I absolutely think they do. Now, of course, we know there's trolls and things out there, but sometimes I'll read the comments, not not that often, but sometimes I will read the comments on the videos. And to anyone who thinks this is easy just to throw something up, and then they're just going to poo-poo the whole thing, to put it mildly, shame on you, because... There's a lot of effort that goes into this to make things sound really good, to get the content together, to do the research. There's a lot of effort that goes into this kind of thing. And the reason why we do it is because we care about helping everyone else. We're we're taking information, we're putting it together, and we're combining it with our experience and knowledge to give you a a, a free product is what it comes down to. And, you know, it it just drives me nuts.
0: Right. The YouTube portion of this is free. And so many people, you know, over time come and say, I'm not going to listen to you anymore because you have an hour that's not free. Well, let me tell all the people who have that point of view, a thing or two. First of all, we're about to do a second hour on free speech. Do you know what's going to be included in that second hour? All the things we couldn't risk saying in, in the first hour because YouTube will either sanction, flag or remove the video. Not even kidding you. Not only that, to run an independent site where you're free of the oversight of a corporation and some supposed contract and the corporate superhuman that they are breathing down your neck with regard to the content you put out is when you put up a private site, you have to pay for media serving. You have to pay for website. You have to pay for web space you have to pay for all these things to be free of the privilege of free uploading under Google. It is a trade-off if you upload under Google you're going to be subject to all the things that we're bringing up here but again in the second hour we're gonna say anything we want any anytime we want whereas in the first hour we have very carefully tried to be even-handed, not to kick anybody in the balls, not to say things that are unnecessary for the simple reason that YouTube is watching what we're doing now and there are penalties to pay. And on a channel like mine, I have a few hundred videos up. A lot of them took hundreds of hours to make some of those videos. Um, To lose that overnight, it's almost unthinkable. But anyhow, Jason, we're about at the top of the hour. Is there anything you want to add before we close down the first hour and prep up for hour two? Well,
1: I didn't mean to turn this into a complaining session at the end here but i just want folks to know that you know we do this because we care and you know it it does take effort that's it's just something that you know week after week sometimes i'll see the same kind of nonsense people saying things like well i'm going to unsubscribe to it's like why like we're giving you information for free we're doing research you don't have to do so just appreciate it and that's all i really want to say about that in the second hour we have a whole bunch of information we didn't even cover yet because we kind of Spent most of our time here on YouTube, which is which really needed to be said. But I mean, we're we're going to go through Supreme Court cases that influence the First Amendment and the DMCA, all that stuff. We're going to go through all of that and discuss how that relates to free speech and, and what the future may actually hold.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a lot. And again, when we get into the second hour, we don't have tippy toe. We say what we want. This doesn't mean that we're purposely go out of our way to poke people in the eye. That's not what we do. But the point is, is we really don't have to police what's coming out of our mouths. We're in the first hour now. Let me tell you something. Last week alone, something like 10 channels that I was aware of have been closed. Um, And not only that, the last video up uh, was flagged. The one before that was flagged. Believe it or not, I challenged both and they were reinstated by YouTube. So that's a positive thing point here is there is an absolute reason that people who are trying to purvey information start to set up their own private websites and start to speak up if they see wrong, what they perceive as wrong being done to other channels that they care about. I think that that's a real responsibility. After all, when you go to a closed channel at the top of the YouTube page, it almost always says violated community standards. Everyone listening is, in fact, the community. So, in my view, they should have a role here. If 90% of the community thinks it should be one way, well, guess what? In my view, 90% of the community is right. Anyhow, that brings the first hour of Crow 777 Radio, episode 66, covering free speech to a close. I hope to see you all over at Crow 777 Radio.com for the second hour, which is available for membership. And there it is, man. Cheers.